thinking um, about this morning, I was remembering a question that a young person who used to go to this church asked me um, several years ago now. We were at a Christian youth festival and um, it was it was around worship, which is what we're going to be talking about this morning. And um, he asked this question. He said, well, well, why, why do we worship God? I just don't get it. I hear that a lot. I don't get it. All right. But I don't mind. I don't get it when it's followed up by a meaningful question. And he, he said this. He said, I don't get it. I, why does God need us to worship him? Isn't he just arrogant and egotistical? Why does he need us to tell him how great he is all the time? That makes no sense. And I just thought, what a great question, actually. What a great question. Why does God need us to praise him? What, what, what is that all about? And I reflected a lot on it. And I, I can't actually remember what I said to this young person. I probably gave him a rubbish answer. But I've thought about it a lot since. And it doesn't fit, does it? This idea of you know, God needing us to worship him with the God that we hear about who humbled himself and became a baby. And the God that, I don't know whether you watched the coronation service yesterday. I imagine lots of you did. But Justin Welby was talking about the God, the king, whose throne was a cross. And the king whose crown was a crown of thorns. And the king, whose regalia, all the, you know, all the shiny bits that King Charles got yesterday, for Jesus, um, they were wounds. That was his regalia. So how does that fit with this idea about we've got to worship God? And um, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, well, actually, that Jesus is far from arrogant. So what is this about, this, this idea that it's our purpose to worship God? And I started to think, well, maybe it's not about the singing. Worship and sung worship is a really important part of our church life. But maybe it's more about relationship. And as we express our thanks and our love to God, um, we learn more about his heart and his love for us. It's a two-way thing. I, I love that verse from Zephaniah. I've got it on a mug in my kitchen. And it talks about God rejoicing over us with singing. So as we sing to God, it's like he's singing his love song back to us. And um, as we put God at the center of our lives, then, um, John, if we could just have the next slide, then um, we will experience life to the full. Our um, preacher last week, Daryl, he was talking about this experience of living life to the full. And what we want to talk about this morning is that it isn't just about singing. We love singing. It was lovely to see um, and to join in singing together and to thinking about some of the songs that we enjoy singing, especially Baby Shark, Toby. Toby, put your phone away that I'm going to confiscate it. Um, uh, and, but we're going to think this today about this idea, that it's not just about singing. Um, I know um, some of you might remember we had a family service a few um, months ago. And we were talking about the story of the woman at the well. Do you remember? The Palestinian broadcasting company brought us that story. And um, we were talking, the woman had lots of questions, didn't she? But one of her questions that she was trying to get her head around as well was, well, what is worship? What does it mean? And Jesus gave her this answer. He said, a time is coming when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, because they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. 
So what does that actually mean to worship in spirit and in truth? And that's what we're going to unpack a little bit more um, today. This idea that worship is about connecting with God's heart and allowing him to equip us um, to serve others. I did love the kind of focus in the coronation service yesterday about service. I don't know whether you noticed. Does anyone know what the first words King Charles said in the service? It was a little boy who very bravely opened up the service. Anyone remember what, what King Charles said? He said this, I'm sorry, I'm just going to read it. In his name and after his example, I come not to be served, but to serve. And there was a real emphasis on kind of service and that being part of King Charles's kingship. But it also made me think about that is actually what our worship is. And what um, compassion do is brilliant. Sorry, excuse me. Um, they, um, they have a mantra about speaking up for the rights of children that cannot speak up for themselves. To give you, again, a little bit more context, 2.2 million children are involved in compassion projects across the world. So they do a phenomenal work, and it's very holistic. So that's what I love about it. They, they tell the children about Jesus, and they teach them the Bible, but they also give them vocational skills. They train them. Uh, they help them with careers, guidance as they get older. Um, they feed them. They support their families. And again, for us, it's been a real privilege to kind of walk um, the journey with um, these these children and we're not always very good at remembering to write to them but they write to us and they um, they pray for our family they tell us regularly that they pray for our family what a blessing that um, we have um, Giovanna in Bolivia praying regularly for our family um, he, and she's living in a really tough environment so what a privilege so um, if you are interested, we're not kind of here to push anyone or force anyone to do anything today, but there are actually five children child profiles out on the desk just by the coffee area of children that are currently waiting for a sponsor. So the photographs are there, and they're kind of ready to go, if you like. There's also a leaflet you can take away um, and pray about. It, it costs £28 a month, so it is a significant financial commitment, but it's also a commitment in terms of praying for these children. So if that's something that you might want to think about, do talk to myself or Joanne or I know Martin um, as also um, they've, as a family, have sponsored children. Do you want to say something? No, okay, tell me in a minute then. <laughs> okay, so, um, yeah, yeah, so that's something as well that you kind of get as part of it, but we can give you a bit more information if you'd be interested. So I'm going to ask Joanne now just to pray for the work of compassion and then we'll go straight into a song, Beth, if that's okay. Father God, I thank you for the um, organization Compassion. I thank you for this vehicle through which you can bless so many families and children. I thank you that your love for them is not diminished because of where they live, but actually you use um, the workers of Compassion and uh, extended families to support them and to show your love. I pray, Father, for the Compassion staff that you will provide the resources that they need. And in some of the very challenging spaces, Lord God, I pray that you will break down the ba barriers and the, the constraints that they may face. I pray, Father, that they will have all the support that they need and that you will build relationships between compassion workers and 
churches and the communities so that your work can be done even more effectively in those spaces. I pray, God, that you will touch the hearts of people, Lord Father, who are ready to open up their, home, their hearts and lives to sharing and supporting um, children around the world. Father, we just give you the glory because you've used this organization to do your work, um, and we ask that you will continue to bless them. In Jesus' name, amen. But I guess my prayer today is that we see this as a corporate thing, that our whole life worship is not something we do individually, but that we do it um, together. And it's something that we encourage each other in. And um, it doesn't look the same for each of us because God has made us all different. But all of our worship, however we worship God, um, whether it's through our gift, like Beth and Kath with your beautiful gifts of music, or whether it's other things, God is delighted when um, we worship him. So I'm just going to look at the verse that we started off with and another verse as well from the message. Okay, so um, the first one is from John uh, 4, and I'm just going to read it in the message version. The message just sometimes amplifies us and unpacks some of those churchy words a little bit, helps us understand what it really might mean for us. It's, you, it's who you are and the way you live that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people the Father is looking out for. Those who are simply and honestly themselves before him in their worship. God is sheer being itself, spirit. Those who worship him must do it out of their very being, their spirits, their true selves in adoration. And I, I just love that idea about being honest before God and not trying to be um, something that we're not. And these verses show us that it's the way we live and um, who we are on the inside, which is a true expression of our worship. Through our lives, um, we should be honest and true about how we are feeling and not trying to be, pretend to be something that we are not. And um, it's it's kind of that is when that is the kind of worship that God loves. And there's a pattern of that through the Bible. In the Old Testament, it talks about justice and, and kind of, you know, I don't want your burnt offerings. What I want is, you, is for you to love mercy and act justly. And um, I was thinking a little bit about this. Sorry, I've got too many bits of paper. Um, and, and thinking about how can we um, live our everyday lives as an act of worship to God. Now, one of my favorite ever passages, and I've probably said this before, so forgive me, is um, the start of Romans chapter 12. And um, again, I've probably said this before, but um, when I went off to university, um, my mom wrote these verses in a card for me. And um, it was They've just really stuck with me because it's about those choices that we make on an everyday basis. So it says, here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work and you're walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. That's what worship is, embracing what God does for us and turning that into um, not just what we can do for him, but who we are, who we are, who he's created us to 
be. And um, I just think um, sometimes we make worship into something that it isn't, and we can try and force ourselves into, oh, I've, I've got to pray more, I've got to do more of this. And I think what I'm learning, and I've been learning a lot through our small group and the reading that we've been doing in that group as well, is it's about our daily walk. We were reading something recently, and, and it was the whole idea about plodding. And plodding is okay, and we can worship God in our plodding, in the mundane, in the sorting, the washing. I feel like I drown in washing in my house. In fact, I was tempted to put bunting up on my piles of washing um, that I was never going to get to, you know, just decorate my house. But um, it's, sorry, that was, I'm going off on total tangent. None of that is on this sheet, and now I don't know where I am. Um, But, um, so yeah, let's just go back to the verse. Sorry, can I go back? Um, So this idea about, our everyday lives, our sleeping, okay? Some of you might quite like the idea about um, sleeping. Maybe you have been um, worshipping God by having a little cheeky nap while I've been talking. But it's the idea that, you know, it's our rest. In our rest, we can worship God. I think sometimes we think we've got to be doing all the time. But actually resting and taking time out, that is part of our worship as well. It's about giving our whole lives to God and inviting him into all those areas, in our, whether it's our parenting, whether it's our sports clubs, whether it's, you know, our social groups, whether it's those difficult conversations in the office. And it's about being honest. So worship can mean lots of things. And I think that's been our heart, really, with this discipleship series. It's about doing this together and encouraging each other as we worship God in our daily lives. So it might mean spending time talking to God in prayer. It might mean singing. But it also could mean worshipping him through our finances. We're going to be talking um, next week a little bit about our commitment week, a time where we're going to be kind of prayerfully considering how we can um, respond to what God's saying to us as we prepare for the arrival of ND, our new minister, and Emma and, and their family. And it might be that God is asking us to worship him through our giving or through giving our time, or through committing in prayer. And um, I think sometimes um, it's easy to separate, isn't it, our kind of Sunday worship from our normal lives. But God doesn't want us to um, do that. He wants us to think about how we can worship him in the everyday, how we can be Jesus in our workplaces, in our schools. Um, And sometimes that might have a cost, Often it does have a cost, and sometimes that's not comfortable. But I, I, I guess my prayer as well is that worship isn't just something that's, that's nice and makes us feel good, but that sometimes we recognize that in those everyday things, sometimes it is giving God it as an offering, and that sometimes offerings are costly. So it's just something for us to think about as well. And um, I think if we want to do it, worshipping God in our everyday lives doesn't have to be complicated. And, but I think the, the key thing there is if we want to. If we worship God because we think we've got to, or we're trying to make ourselves feel good, or we're trying to look good, or we're doing it because we feel like, oh, well, I really ought to do that, then that's not what God wants. He sees our hearts, and he sees our intentions, and he wants 
to see, as it's said in that John passage, our true selves in our worship, warts and all, you know, in our, in our failures. Our tr- the, the work, those who worship him must do it out of their very being, their spirits, their true selves in adoration. And I'm personally on a bit of a journey with this. I've got lots of questions often at the moment. And, you know, God wants me to bring those. He wants us all to bring those questions to him as part of our worship. Because worship is about connecting with God's heart and bringing our hearts before him honestly so that he can transform us to be more like him. He wants our worship, I'm just going to finish with this, to be a genuine heartfelt response to how amazing he is. So it's not just about singing. It's about living our lives in the way that he created us to be. And that's when we will experience life to the full. Um, so we've got a prayer that I'll just ask, or just maybe if the children can just be finishing off their craft, because I think it'd be good if we can to say this all together. So if we can pop the words up and you can just have a little look and then... I'm just going to finish today by saying these words, if you'd like to, together. And then I think we're going to sing a song to finish. So...